real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is March 27th, 2020. It's Friday. And, you know, this bill is supposed to be voted on today by the House. Uh, this bill that supposedly will save us in four weeks after four weeks. So your rent is already due and you have no money four weeks. Um, and... Uh, it's going through the house and you have to wonder. So I want us to sit down and analyze and revisit something called a line item veto. See if that's in play. Uh, kind of examine the situation of the Democrat representative Thomas Massey in Kentucky. Is he a sleeper that is now coming forward? Who knows? The one thing you have to understand, this is way bigger than anything you can imagine. It's more, it's, it's, it's not just about them uh, selling our National Security Administration's bulk data collection programs. It's not that because that already happened a long time ago under John Brennan before he was a CIA director. Okay. And this is coming from a point of, I know this stuff because I was part of that stuff. I worked with John Brennan. So it's more about, it's, it's not even about selling the uranium, selling national security space programs, selling slots in our satellite systems. It's more than USAID. It's more than, you know, our assets for the clown agency. It's more than our military tech and compromising the uh, construction and the durability of our military technology. It's more than U.S. security. It's more than just state secret. These are crimes against humanity. And at this point, all are now witnessing with no political spinning how fake the news is and how anti-American and anti-humanity they are and how the left is pushing. This is one of the biggest wars. These are crimes against humanity. Here's the thing. You cannot take down a nation with values like the United States by by chucking a missile. You have to dismantle it from within, right? So they divided us as citizens based on our color, race, sexual preferences, and they still push that. They tried to convince us that dismantling our borders was the right thing to do because this is what we should be doing. They started to create this military type police that are more accessible while uh, lowering the ability of our military to respond in regards to readiness and amplifying that of the police and then making the people hate both of them, destroying the economy. I mean, this is how you destroy a nation like the United States from within. Nobody seems to understand that they appointed people that think like them across the board. And this is the most dangerous part that they've been elected and reelected. Have they, though? You know, obviously uh, constantly. Right. Doing the same thing. In essence, I know it's a tragedy. I know this virus, right, is insane, but it came at no better time than to reinforce how dependent we are on foreign nations, how borders really do matter, and how important borders are. And it also shows 
their true face. You can see it from the media sensationalizing everything, telling you that there's shortages, telling you they don't have anything, telling you how they're overrun yet hospitals are not. The deaths, what do you, how do you know that they're not laundering deaths, right? Charging them as COVID-19 victims when they're really not. I'm not saying there is no COVID-19. I actually say there is. But is it as bad as they say? They tried to amp it up and people are catching on finally. Because this can be a blessing in disguise. This can be the way (laughs) we can diffuse all viruses because we have the cures. They're just not there. So if we can thrive in such disarray with closed borders, Gestapo mayors, Gestapo governors, you know, stay in your house, social distance. That's fine. It gives us time to hang out with people we love, break the law and have parties with more than 10 people because we love them. And we know that we're just going to ride this out. It, it also shows kindness of everyone. The kindness of people saying, Hey, I know you're being hurt by this. I actually have saved up some here. You know, um, I I don't have much. I'm going to be dead honest. My, my neighbor has, um, has a cat and I saw her upstairs, um, in our mail room, you know, complaining that she's not getting a package for cat food. And, you know, I pretended I didn't hear anything. Right. (laughs) And I know she doesn't listen to me. She seems pretty liberal. (laughs) She doesn't even know what I do. We just, Hey, you know, kind of New York style. Um, So I know that it's hard for me too. And I know that deliveries are late. I mean, you can't even Amazon. There's no more two day shipping, right? It's a week out. And, you know, I, I, I counted how much I have for my man. Cause you all know I'm a cat lady only for one cat period. And, um, but you know, I divvied up and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to give him some human food here and I can, and I, I, I went there and left it on her doorstep. Now, obviously, you know, she's not going to know who did it. Nobody cares, right? It's, it's just random acts of kindness. Cause that's what we do is people. This is going to bring out all the evil and maliciousness and all the good too. And you're going to see how good rises above the evil way faster than anything else. Way faster way faster. And so in, in essence, you know, sometimes we just don't understand how things happen. We just have to trust that there's a plan. We just have to trust that things are going to come as they should because they were planned or else, you know, I, I, I like to think so. I mean, what are the odds that, you know, what is it? it's 2020, right? 10 years ago, I met this, you know, South American guy spent four months with him in this seminar at the College of Medicine where we sat down and parsed through his research and did, you know, I I helped him out with some of the statistics on the relationship between HIV and malaria uh, in respects to uh, drug resistance and uh, the concentration and how the virility was there or if it wasn't, you know, what are the odds? What are the odds that the minute this virus comes out, I'm like, hey, maybe you should look into this guy because I think that anti-malaria medication could be good. This is weeks ago. And I told you guys that story. I mean, what are the odds? We have to understand that there's something called a divine plan, right? And then there's man-made plans, of course, when people are just frustrated and they're like, all right, let's get to it, right? We have to have faith. 
That is all we have to do is have faith that good always surpasses evil. I see so much devastation, people being so upset. Guys, I'm there with you. I'm checking my mailbox for Trump bucks thinking he's going to be like, psych, I don't need to sign this. I already printed the checks. I really want him to do that, like seriously. And the fact that that probability is at 38% right now, it's really pissing me off. Uh, the one thing that I can tell you that I'm seeing with a stronger probability and then something coming up from the back that I wanted to talk about, which is line item veto, is that he's going to allow this to go through and that the oversight commission that they have tucked into this bill, because that's the most alarming for me, is nominating an actual committee to investigate the president, which means special counsel super subpoena powers. And it even says with full subpoena powers. So what are we going to have another shift where they're going to be getting phone records? Right? So that is the most alarming portion in that bill for me. Everything else is rubbish. It's throwing money away. It's been happening forever. So the fact that they were, you know, throwing money at places so they can line their pockets and get some flowers, uh, you know, isn't so much of a concern for me because that can actually be buffered. My concern is that portion of the bill. The bill that says that they can have extreme... This is why I'd be such a good legislative director in the House. I'd be like, yo, that's a hold. Take, take care of it. Because, see, people don't see these things. Or people are like, oh, well, you know, it's going to take, you know, we can fight that if it happens. We'll just do this and this. Yeah, right. Look at Schiff with his stupid little wiretaps now claiming I'm immune. What? You're immune to what? To say that you had direct wiretaps in the, in the house, in the White House, on the executive office? Are you kidding? No, you're not immune. And your bogus whistleblower, the one that created those interconnecting nodes, We'll be in a lot of trouble too because, hey, we've already turned over the judges at Gitmo. Get ready. This is the thing. That's the portion that I'm most concerned about. We need to investigate how he handled this coronavirus that they knew that they were going to drop because that's the only way you can kneel a person down, have every single one of us on our knees begging for money because we can't make it. That's the thing. We can't make it, so we're begging for money. That, that's it. And now that even shows you how dependent we are to the state. In the meantime, all these prominent people are getting the coronavirus. <laughs> Weinstein. I'm not even going to where the celebrities are, but let's go. Royalty. Wow. Cardinals. Vatican. Let's go. It's pretty insane, isn't it? And the thing is, how do you know they're infected and they're sick to that they had it and they have the antibodies? You don't. Because right now, if I go get tested, I can almost guarantee you I'll pop positive. Why? Because I probably have the antibodies. You know who else will pop positive? <laughs> He's going to hate me saying this on air. Scott Adams, because he had it. He had two waves of this. He had about a week and a half of being sick. Then he felt better. Then he got sick again and he listened to Tori and ate some clementines and felt better after that. That's the thing. He had coronavirus before you knew coronavirus was a thing. So we have to wonder, these crimes against humanity, when do we hold them accountable for it? Because these are very specific. See, it's not about having them 
uh, invade your thoughts, but it's infiltrating you in every facet of your life. Now, looking at what the president is saying, so he tweeted out a few things. Oh, and by the way, I just wanted to tell you guys, for some reason, Twitter keeps telling me they want to confirm my phone number and for my um, radio show account, and I'm still not getting texts. So I'm kind of waiting to see when they're actually going to send me a text or give me an alternative method to confirm since they're not able to send me texts. Is it another way of saying, well, we're suspending you and banning you um, right now because you put out too much truth and you gave cures and you were talking about things. So we need to shut you up because it's all your fault. Everyone now is saying, oh, the numbers don't add up. Sounds like it's an infodemic because it is. This is an infodemic, not a pandemic. This is all scare tactics, and by all means, little old me with my little 7,000 followers are going to do damage. Mm, Twitter thinks so. Twitter really thinks so. Or Twitter figured out that I'm better than Alice. But hey, I digress. Uh, So what I wanted us to do right now is to listen uh, to the report that, um, well, is it a report? Can we say a report? Ted Cruz talking about the House stimulus himself. You, you remember, I've told you how I feel about Ted Cruz. And Ted Cruz is the reason I don't like Mark Levin. And I say it openly. And for radio show hosts, another radio show, I don't like it. I just don't like him. He didn't like me calling him out saying that he's an opportunist that jumped on the Trump train because, you know, his guy, Cruz, lost. I don't trust Cruz. He looks like he's wearing a human suit and he's itchy in it. But he's very complacent and he's a good boy going along with it. Very smart man to go along with it right now. But we should not lose focus on what's real and what's not because that's what happens. They infiltrate your reality. Infiltrate. That's what they do. Well, they hack it. Here you go. Take a listen to this. Uh, Let's bring in Senator Ted Cruz, fresh off his quarantine. Ted, uh, the President of the United States yesterday in a letter to America's governors, he's going to basically give them an idea of uh, he's going to grade some of these counties on how dangerous they are and overrun they are with this coronavirus. And the ones that are untouched, maybe he's going to try to gradually phase in uh, economic progress again. Are you for a phase in standing America up again or just keep it locked down till we have it more under control? Well, listen, I think any health response needs to deal with the facts on the ground and the facts on the ground are different from one location to another. And so I think our approach to this global pandemic, we need to be guided by the science. We need to be guided by the physicians and medical professionals. And, and, and I fully expect the circumstances are different in Manhattan than perhaps they are in rural Idaho. And, and, and so you wouldn't expect the exact same rules to apply everywhere. I think that's that recognizes the diversity of the country and where there is an outbreak, where there is a direct and serious threat. Of course, steps need to be taken to protect lives, but but those can vary in different parts of the country. Exactly right. And in fact, uh, Senator Cruz, the president uh, last night said that uh, Nebraska, Texas, your state, Iowa, Farm Belt, some parts might be able to open up sooner than others. Of course, the entire country is looking to Congress. And I know that the Corona Rescue Bill has already passed your chamber, the Senate. But, uh, you know, it's questionable what's going to happen with the bill today, because as uh, we heard uh, this hour, there's one 
Congressman, he's a Republican from Kentucky. Uh, his name is Thomas Massey. He is opposed to the bill because it would add to the national debt, and he's concerned that voting without a quorum present would violate the Constitution. The problem is when you have members of Congress flying back from all over the country, they're in airports, they're going to be back into the chambers. It does seem as if you are putting members of Congress at risk to do this, even though we know, everybody knows this thing going to pass. Yeah, you know, I would not be terribly concerned about uh, about the procedural question. Uh, it's clear the House is going to pass it. It's clear the House is going to pass it with an overwhelming bipartisan majority. If, if it so happens that a member or two or three decides they want to vote no, well, they can, they can do that. Thomas is, uh, believes strongly in his principles. I saw also Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez tweet out that that she was unhappy that that the checks that are that are going out the the twelve hundred dollar relief checks that they're not going to illegal immigrants and she was unhappy about that look people can have their disagreements this is going to pass it's going to pass overwhelmingly which means relief is going to be in the hands of the people that are hurting and and in the senate the day before yesterday we passed it unanimously it was 96 to nothing every single senator republican and democrat voted yes Bernie Sanders voted yes, so did I, and everybody in between. And and the reason, listen, this is a $2 trillion bill. That's about a tenth of our national debt. That is a big deal. That's not something that would pass in any ordinary circumstances. But but these are extraordinary circumstances. The magnitude of the health threat is is massive, and the, and the magnitude of the economic threat. We lost 3.5 million jobs last week. Small businesses are shuttering all across this country. And so this emergency relief package is designed to put real relief in the hands of people. The two most important parts of it are that every person making $100,000 or less or every couple making $200,000 or less will get a check in the mail, a check in the mail for $1,200 per adult, $2,400 per couple and $500 per child. All of those checks should be coming out the Treasury Department tells us in the next two to three weeks. Secondly, for small businesses, there's $377 billion in loans, guaranteed loans, that are designed that it's for businesses 500 employees or less, so small businesses, up to $10 million each in the loans, and if they use the loans to pay for payroll, to keep their employees on payroll, if they use the loans for mortgage or rent or utilities, those loans will be forgiven. That's designed to be an immediate infusion of cash for the restaurant, for the bar, for the nail salon, for the movie theater, the hardware store, all the small businesses. And the way you get it, if you're a small business owner, you go to your local bank or, com- or community financial institutions, and it'll be administered through the local banking system. Okay, we only have one minute. I have two questions for you. If you furlough your employees, can you still get those benefits? Secondly, how are you doing after self-quarantining? On the first point, yes, if you rehire them. So so you can get the benefits regardless, but the loan is only forgiven if you rehire the employees. So if you've already furloughed the employees, you can go and get the loan, rehire them, and their payroll will be forgivable. Okay, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. I I spent 11 days in self-quarantine here at home, and then I left self-quarantine, went to D.C., went to the Senate, was active in in passing this bill, and I'm now back home with the family, feeling healthy and and terrific and, and, and working actively from home. 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Senator, for being with us. We're glad. Excellent. So we're all going to get money next month after everything's due already. And we have late payment fees. And, you know, you're getting threats that you're going to be kicked out. Uh, obviously, you know, I don't know if landlords want to really do that. But that's exactly what you're seeing right now. And everyone's panicking. Again, like I said, they're telling us and they're showing us with the response to this virus what's really important how important it is to them that you can meet your, you know, debts, that you can come to, uh, you know, pay off what you need. We need to be realistic here, you guys. We need to understand what's really at hand here. They don't care about you, and they've showed that to you. They don't care what you believe, what you think, and what you want. That's the thing. Now, you know, apparently we found uh, a warehouse in New York. Funny story on that one uh, for another time uh, that had so many ventilators, like tons of them. And you have to wonder, wait a minute, hold on a second. We're asking to make all these ventilators, yet there's not really a problem. Or is there? I don't know. But we found ventilators in a warehouse in New York. And you have to think, who was hoarding that? Who does that warehouse belong to that was hoarding all those things? Hmm? And that's the thing. Always mess with Mary B. Invoke P. You don't get that, do you? We'll talk about that in the second hour. So that, <laughs> even though he said Invoke P means Defense Protect- Production Act. Okay. He's telling people to make ventilators. Hurry up. Get with it. Open up your open up shop for it in Ohio and let's get going. Purchasing tons of ventilators from some wonderful companies. Names and numbers will be announced to, to later today, he says. Like I said, we are going to see so much good and so much bad. So President Trump put Thomas Massey on the scene saying, you know, he is not passing this bell. He's, you know, about, you know, what are you doing? Why are you holding it up? Suddenly John Kerry decides to chime in. Mr. Logan act himself, Mr. I was with Joe Biden when we started this whole Ukraine thing back in the day in 2014, when we bailed out Mr. Burisma from money laundering charges in the UK and Ireland. But I digress. He tweets out Congressman Massey has tested positive for being a but he must be quarantined to prevent the spread of his massive stupidity. He's given new meaning to the term mass hole. Whoa. Finally, something the president and I can agree with. And President Trump retweeted it and said, never knew John Kerry had such a good sense of humor. Very impressed. Now, if John Kerry's coming out asking for this bill, what does that tell you? We don't want it. When they're asking for this bill to be passed, we don't want it. And you know what? I don't trust any clown out there that reads this bill that sits by our president that says, yep, it's a good idea. And whoever told him to use the word flatten the curve, fire them, fire them. That is something I heard weeks ago from all these celebrity royalty clowns. And you stated it. Who gave you that word? Who wrote that speech? Who put it in there? Fire them. These are clues of how you put them out. Fire them. Who's telling you this is good? Fire them.
You know, it's funny how we have Dr. Fauci going on CNN saying, you don't make the timeline the virus does. I want you guys to listen to this one. I'm going to blow through commercials today. Um, I want you guys to listen to this. This is insane. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Rex Moore with The Motley Fool, and I've been to a very crowded CEO. Okay, CNN, we know you're broke and you're forcing us to watch your stupid commercials, but I'm getting really, really upset when they do this. Suddenly I have my videos lined up and then I get a five-minute commercial that I'm supposed to see no matter what. And the minute I'm saying this, obviously, um, my browser says, you can sign up for premium and not have ads. And now I have another ad coming up, even though I'm refreshing. This is how broke they are. They make zero dollars. They are so in debt because they're fake news and nobody wants them. But here we go. We got Fredo and Fauci talking. Finally got it on. And I want you guys to listen to how Fredo, when speaking with Fauci, is a little bit whipped into submission. But you also see Fauci's true, true colors. Take a listen. Straight to Dr. Anthony Fauci. We are lucky to have you back on primetime tonight, doctor. I hope you're doing well. I'm well. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you. Question. Uh, You talked to the WHO, the World Health Organization. Uh, What perspective did you get, uh, just macro, lessons learned, and also insight into why us, doctor? Why are we growing faster than other places that we assume we're better set up then? Well, you know, the insight you get is when you look at the different uh, patterns of what happened in different countries, China versus South Korea versus what we're seeing in northern Italy, it really gives you some interesting insight into things, not only in the explosive nature in certain places versus others, but also as you start to get to your peak, when do you know that you're actually turning the corner? And the, the data we went over at the WHO call today, which was representatives from countries all over the world, was that you take a look at the number of new infections on any given day. So five days ago, it was 600. And then four days ago, it was 800. And then three days ago, it was 1,000. You're going way, way up. It's when the new infections each day start to level off to be the same and then start going down. Then you see the curve go down. And that's exactly what certain countries like China and South Korea have seen. Italy is not there yet. Italy got hit really badly, almost certainly, and I think this gets to your question about us here in the United States, is Italy got hit very badly because they had a large number of importations from China by Chinese tourists. And before they even knew what was going on, there was enough baseline people spreading that it essentially got out of hand and it became difficult for them as good as they are and they're very good to be able to contain it in a way that is contact tracing, all that kind of thing. It was more mitigation. How do we deal with what we have? Mm. They're in a very difficult position. If you go now to the United States, we're a big country and there are different patterns, Chris. Remember weeks ago, the hardest hit part was in Washington state. And that was a cluster of of nursing homes and and extended care homes. That was a different kind of thing than what you see in New York City, which very likely got seeded because New York City is a hub of influx of travelers, not only originally from China, 
but also from Europe, which has become the new China in the sense of the number of cases. So New York City is dominating the situation in the United States. About 60% of the infections are in the New York City metropolitan mm -hmm. area, and 56% of the new infections are coming from the New York City metropolitan area. So you guys are getting hit terribly hard, and it's so unfortunate, but that's the reason why it looks like this big explosion, because it is what it is, whereas other areas of the country, although they're seeing cases, they're at different levels in that curve of kinetics. Right. But New York is right in the middle of it. I, until Louisiana. And now you have the Big Easy is getting crushed, specifically New Orleans. And all of a sudden they went from like 100 cases last week to now they're like 10 times that plus. What, what's going on down there? It's the same thing. What it is is that what likely happened, they've done it now. I mean, I, I, have, I have spoken to the political officials in New Orleans and in the state of Louisiana. They're now shutting things down in a very vigorous way. It is likely that that should have been done a little bit sooner, not blaming anyone on that, but you get caught unawares because the nature of this outbreak, Chris, that's so frustrating and in many respects, you know, a bit frightening and intimidating is what you and I discussed, you know, several shows ago. It putters along and you think you're okay. And then it starts to go up a little and then bingo, it goes up in an exponential way. So that's what's happening in New Orleans now. So you've got two different uh, points of pressure coming from opposite directions. You have people saying it's been long enough, Tony. You told me two weeks. I did two weeks. I can't do this anymore. I want to get back uh, to work. We got to open up. Whatever happens, happens. And then on the other side, you have this pressure of clearly we have to do this a lot longer because the mitigation efforts aren't working. My brother, every other word out of his mouth is accelerating. Okay, you guys, I just wanted to just jump in here and say something because this is a very interesting conversation. We see Fauci playing damage control while he wants to help ramp up the pandemic, you know, and increase this infodemic. CNN has numbers across the bottom. 65,000 coronavirus cases in the U.S. Actually, they're over 100,000 and they have 921 deaths. That's what, how, how much? Like 1%? 1%? So... This is what they're saying. And how many of those are actually coronavirus? Because let me tell you something. Money makes the world go round. And let me tell you something. If a hospital can say that they're taking care of coronavirus patients, and I know that sounds really mean, but human beings can be very evil because these are crimes against humanity. They could take advantage of it and say, yes, I have coronavirus patients. Here they are. They all died. These old people died from coronavirus. They totally did. Mm-hmm. And guess how much money that hospital is going to get in grants? Guess how much money they're going to be able to bill from this pandemic? Pay attention. Pay attention. Because it's about to get super wild. Because if we can get people that are independent, that don't rely on money, no matter how desperate they are for money, right? But if you actually get independent people in there to investigate how many of these are actually COVID-related, <laughs> You'll be very surprised what the numbers are. You know, it's blah, 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 accelerating cases, blah, blah, accelerating, accelerating pattern. So how do you deal with those opposite interests? We've done it long enough. We're frustrated. We want to get over this. And what you've told us to do so far, it's still accelerating. 
Right. It, it, there's no, you're absolutely correct, 100%, Chris. It's accelerating. And what you've got to do is that when you have a big country like this, you've got to look at it in different ways. Right now, you wouldn't even think about not, not putting the damper on what's going on in New York. That would be outlandish as it's going up, no doubt. But there are other parts of the country which we need to get a better feel for what is going on. And the way we do that is by increasing testing and identifying people who are infected, isolating them, getting out of circulation, and then do contact tracing. That's what we call containment. So you could do containment and maybe ease up a bit in one area, whereas in other areas where it's mitigation, all you got to do is put all your resources in there to help the people who are under this stressful situation. So different solutions for so different parts of the country. None. I got you. Different strategies for different I, I parts believe, of the country. Yeah, I get exactly, it. Exactly. But then exactly. you have like, well, how long? And I get it. The answer is going to be depends where you are. I get it. But if it's California and there you have the governor and the mayor discussing the Los Angeles mayor, that it's going to be months. It's going to take months for them. And then you're hearing uh, here in New York, Andrew says, uh, the governor here says, we're two or three weeks from seeing the worst crush at the hospitals. I mean, it seems that the timeline is getting extended farther out, not that things are going better than expected anywhere. Hi, I'm Rex Moore with The Motley Fool, and I've been to a very crowded CES for eight straight years now. And I can honestly say that there's one thing I'm seeing this year that I've never seen before, and that is one technology that's responsible for so much of the uh, industries and the companies you see here today. Oh my gosh, did they just invade me again? Like, what is going on here? Seriously, CNN, are you that hard up for money? Did you just superimpose an ad during your briefing? Guys, this is how you know they're done. This is how you know they're done. Because they are throwing in advertisements in the middle of their reporting. This is just how bad it is. They're so hard up for money. It's not even funny. But this is the part that we have to listen to. So let me just skip right to it. So you guys, and by the way, there's no markers for ads, but it came up. Here we go. Take a listen. California, and there you have the governor and the mayor discussing the Los Angeles mayor, that it's going to be months. It's going to take months for them. And then you're hearing uh, here in New York, Andrew says, uh, the governor here says, we're two or three weeks from seeing the worst crush at the hospitals. I mean, it seems that the timeline is getting extended farther out, not that things are going better than expected anywhere. Yeah. What you've got to do, Chris, you've got to be realistic and you've got to understand that you don't make the timeline. The virus makes the timeline. Mm. So you've got to respond in what you see happen. And if you keep seeing this acceleration, it doesn't matter what you say one week, two weeks, three weeks, you've got to go with what the situation on the ground is. So when people say it may take months, I think what people are talking about is how long it takes to go all the way down. But you may see in a relatively shorter period of time when you're seeing the inkling of the flattening and coming down. But, you know, you can't make an arbitrary decision until right. you see what you're dealing with. You need the data. All right. So let me ask you some uh, some some quick punch questions here. These uh, I'm skeptical Good. of these things. So obviously you, you'll set us straight about what's true. Vitamin C, vitamin D, 
uh, you know, first it was these words I couldn't uh, pronounce, deoxy, whatever, drug. And then we hear somebody dies from the drug. And then there's other drug therapies they're trying. Now it's vitamin C, vitamin D. Are any of these things something that we have any degree of confidence, and by we I mean you, that can actually work in mitigating yeah. the effects of the extreme cases of this virus? Yeah. I think you have to separate the vitamins from drugs that are being uh, touted as being effective or not. For example, vitamin C is a pretty good antioxidant. I mean, there are studies that say vitamin C is very good against mitigating the effects of certain infections. Stop. Did you guys catch that? Someone died from the anti-malaria drug, says Fredo. Fredo said that. And what did Fauci say? He didn't even dispute. He didn't even dispute. He's just going down the line items. Take a listen. And others say there's no effect. It's essentially totally harmless unless you take a ridiculous amount. So I have no problem with vitamin C. There's some interesting situations about vitamin D. And in fact, Tom Frieden, who the former CDC director, mm. wrote an op-ed, I think yesterday, when he was talking about some interesting suggestions about various regions of the globe and, and respiratory infections that might be related to vitamin D. No definite proof, but again, you're not getting hurt. But when you're talking about a drug that might have some toxicity, that's a different thing. That's why you keep hearing me over and over again saying the best optimal way is to do a, re a randomized controlled trial to determine as quickly as possible whether something works. And if it does, get it out there. Mm. If it doesn't, get it off the table. So let me ask you something. New York, this two to three week window where there's going to be a crush. Forget about the timing. Forget about the when. Let's just deal uh, with the reality. How frightening may it be for people living here and obviously watching all over the country of what they see at the hospitals? Do you think there's a chance that we're going to relive a Katrina type event where we were down there reporting in front of the Superdome and there were people all lined up outside that place because they couldn't get in and they were sick and worse? Is that what overcapacity looks like? Is that what overwhelmed looks like? Okay, guys, I just wanted to say, did you see how it, he didn't even stop him to say, dude, the guy didn't die from anti-malaria drugs. He died from fish tank, fish tank cleaner. Sorry. So like, what is that telling you about Fauci? And here's where he talked about toxicity. And I mentioned that when I was live with um, Millennial Millie. He was part of that team that were testing toxicity of HIV medications to people they knew did not have HIV. Pregnant American, single black mother. That is well documented. Toxicity studies. Oh, we shouldn't jump in. He just validated that the guy that died from fish cleaner indeed died from the anti-malaria drug. This is the problem. So when you hear people saying, oh, people are just saying that to like cause divisiveness with Fauci. You heard it yourself. Don't listen to the rubbish. And I know that our president is very, very, very astute to this. And he knows exactly what's going on. Fauci, your pants are down. I'm looking at your underwear. Is that coming down next? Because you're going to be butt naked in front of the world. This is what you should be. This, this is what you need to be Pointing out to people, wait a minute, we all know the guy died from fish tank cleaner and here he is saying, well, this is why it's important we should do toxicity tests. You mean like the toxicity tests that you've been conducting on people that may not know better that you in armor with, you'll get free health care and your baby will be fine, but you're going to be testing these drugs for us. They don't tell you that they're going to give you toxicity levels to see where the top end is. 
It's disgusting. And we are seeing it right now. These are crimes against humanity and they should not be forgiven ever, 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 ever. Speaking about crimes against humanity, I want you guys to listen to a clip where Bill Gates, Bill Gates, the guy that ran the whole research on the coronavirus, the guy that pushes for vaccines everywhere, gets on CNN with none other than, you know, evil, 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 so evil, and Anderson Cooper. And I want you to listen to what Bill Gates has to say, who, by the way, with Mark Zuckerberg, dumped a ton of cash into coronavirus research. But what people aren't telling you is, first of all, uh, they say Bill Gates is in Seattle via Skype. He dumped a whole lot of cash in Africa, and you have to wonder, Seattle, are you really on campus? Take a listen to this CNN Global Town Hall, as they call it. So even in because fo- folks look, people who want sort of county by county or say, you know, well, let's get back online faster, say, well, look, in some states, there's less than 200 cases. In many states, there, there's less than, than 200 cases right now. You're saying even in those states, uh, the same kind of shutdown needs to occur? Well, let's say you have 100 cases and let's say you don't do a shutdown, then it grows 33% per day. So you take 100, you get 1,000, you get 10,000. It's exponential growth if you're not stopping it. They, hmm. you, the sooner you in, engage in the shutdown, the easier it is to get to that peak. We have, we have not peaked. Uh, you know, the parts of the country that aren't shut down by the in late April, we should start to see the numbers peak there. They'll still be too high to open up. So you'll probably have to go another month to really get those numbers down. But any part of the country that has cases and, and truthfully, because of our uh, problems with testing, because uh, we're not prioritizing testing the right way, that a lot of those places actually do have cases. But even if they have the hundred that will grow uh, and people do cross county boundaries. And so basically the whole country needs to do what uh, was done in the part of China where they had these infections. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out again that states that had just a few cases last week uh, have, you know, over a thousand or sometimes 2,000 cases this week, to your point, uh, uh, Bill. The other thing I'm, I'm curious about, you know, we keep hearing that the virus is going to dictate the timeline. Uh, Dr. Fauci has said that. When, when you look at this virus, we got three and a half months worth of data now, 150 countries. If you apply all the analytics that a, you know, Microsoft, that, that all, all the analytics that we can possibly apply to this, is how this is going to sort of progress and end knowable? I mean, can you, can you give a, a, a clear answer depending on, on, on what sort of, uh, you know, mitigation measures we have in place? It's very likely that rich countries who uniformly throughout their country do a serious that they what do a serious what analysis <laughs> uh, it's like we're listening to George Soros talk right that's what we're that's what we're listening to this is horrific what we are listening to right now was horrific and we are going to see more and more of this come out they're telling you that the data from countries around the world is valid 
I'm telling you, I can almost guarantee you we're going to find so much fraud. And I'm pretty sure that our attorney general Barr is looking into this. How are we going to independently look to see if people actually succumb to COVID-19? I mean, anatomy, gross anatomy 101 tells you that everyone succumbs to heart failure in the end. Your heart stops. That's your ultimate death. But what are the underlying causes? So uh, did COVID-19 cause the death? How do you say that? How do you know? Well, you have to check to see if the symptoms were SARS-like, right? Because SARS has been around for a while and it comes in and comes out with waves. And it's such a convenient wave to come now when they failed for impeachment. These are crimes against humanity. They are infiltrating everything. And what we have to do is infiltrate as well. And that is where we are going with this. Because you are going to see so many things come to the surface and people are waking up. People are understanding who the real enemy is. We are understanding this. We are being, we are able to discern above what they're trying to, you know, to discern what's going on past this. SARS isn't something new, you guys. SARS is not something new. This is so ridiculous that people are putting everyone into sheltered positions. Why? Because someone went there. Someone decided to push the button and get it done. All you have to look at is what is coming out. How does this come at a time when we were getting a big shift? How was it just right before the presidential elections and they slide into their bill, a new Mueller 2.0 while they're under attack, um, their party, the Democrats, they represent everything, everything that is anti-humanity, everything. And I've said it before, Occam's razor, right? Parsimony tells you that if people are giving you explanations for something, the easiest one, how many times have we talked about Occam's razor on this show? How many times have I told you that the simplest answer is usually correct? I've told you what it is. And I've said this again and again and again and again. The simplest answer, parsimony, the basis of science. What is the simplest answer? They lost. The coup failed. And this was activated. This is another crime against humanity. And you know what? We have allies where allies did not exist. We have enemies that were always there, but never showed their face. And which enemies and who are we talking about? U.S. enemies? No. Enemies against humanity. You know, isn't it funny that the website that all scientists were going down to get access to in there was literally showing the difference between human and human, capital H human, little h human, right? Hosts, hosts. And suddenly that's changed. That is completely changed. They took it off because everyone was asking the same question. You idiot. We can't put that on there. We can't show them that there's two different types of hosts. But I digress because every single time I speak, I'm irrelevant, right? Every, t- every single time I say, this is how all of us feel. I'm not saying just me. Huh. I'm not a verified check mark. I am not a talking head. Why listen to me? Kind of like they say, why are you following things that are on Facebook or YouTube or Aitken? Why? 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 Because they have nothing to gain and everything to lose. 
That's it. That's why. Because they are letting you think. Think, 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 think. I mean, how many times do I have to talk about looking at the facts and looking at all these excuses and you're just like, all right, remove yourself and look at the easiest answer. And it makes sense. Their goal was to impeach this man. Their goal was to stop him. And it wasn't just taking down the cabal arm in the United States. It is global. They punished China. They did. And China released a counter and we allowed for the release. And you know, I'm really happy for that. I am happy for that. But what I am not happy about is their infiltration in our white house right now. We need to regroup because nothing can stop what is coming for them. Nothing because they have access to technology that we do too. But you know, luckily, even though there was a technical glitch, space force payload went up. Lay, lay, lay. My flies on the wall are now more active. Lay, lay, lay. And for all of you there that are my subscribers on Subscribestar, guys, I kid you not. I don't know what is going on. Major, major issues. I have to use my front-facing computer for Subscribestar. And it's a, I know that a few of them have gone up and we're posting. I'm trying to find an alternative method to, to code it in order to put it up. And... Uh, all of that, there's, you're going to have a lot for this weekend. Okay. Let's just put it that way. Um, you'll understand what I mean by flies on the wall and it runs off of the whole frequency. It runs off of space force. It runs off of everything we're seeing. And you know, how many times do I have to say things for you to be able to see things is a question that not, not me, but in general, people would say, how many times do I have to say things for you to be able to see things without making it apparent? Because communications have to be, um, you know, specific and closed and, um, how do I say, not monitored, uh, put together correctly, especially in a time of turmoil where infiltration is happening. Infiltration is coming from places you would never even imagine. You would never even imagine where infiltration can come from. It is coming from the highest offices. And our president is fighting this every day. I mean, you heard Dr. Fauci yourself accept that someone died from the anti-malaria drug. He let that go there. Fredo slipped it in there and he accepted it and said, yes, we need to look into toxicity. History proves the future because without history, we have no future. I mean, I can time travel all I want. I can sit here and tell you all the timelines every single day. And one tweet One motion, one action, one left turn, one right turn by you helps make one of those reality. So after the break, like I said, we're going to talk about line items, line veto items. We're going to talk about what can happen. I'm still having faith, even though that... Uh, that reality is uh, lessening uh, to be a reality uh, every minute, right? Every minute that goes by. But I'm really hoping that I hear him say, psych, I already sent the checks because rent is due next week. And there's a lot of people that are 
afraid, they're scared, and they don't know how things will work out. There are people, I've gotten text messages uh, through social media and emails, obviously Twitter. I can't see any of yours, guys, because I'm, I'm locked out of my account. I'm not banned. I'm just locked. Um, Instagram, uh, Gab, right? People are sending me messages saying, dude, my phone bill has been shut off, and I'm a waitress, and, and I have nothing. And, you know, I'm just like, dude, we're all in the same boat. This just goes to show just how dependent we are on our government now that the economy is shut down. It's everyone's there. Everyone is at the same position. Everyone. Businesses. Huh, let's look at the media. Has anybody asked the mainstream media if they've done any layoffs? Has anyone asked any? Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to see media start shrinking down. You're going to see it and it's happening. I mean, they're telling you that just because you don't have a lot of victims, there's going to be more. And what if this amplification that they've created was not really necessary, but now it actually is, you know, Washington DC mayor Stafford dies of coronavirus today. How is that possible? It's highly specific. A lot of people will probably catch the coronavirus that aren't the targets, like I've said, because of genetic specificity. And the more people start to fight with the idea that this isn't highly specific, it sees no color border. You're dumb. Everybody has it. Only few people will die from it. And that'll be the immunocompromised to no fault of their own and those that are the intended targets. That's the thing. Because even though you get the symptoms, you may be sick. With the proper medication, you can rebound back, right? Let's think of this. Amy Klobuchar, her husband, spitting up blood, going to the hospital, on a ventilator. Two days later, he's released. I don't buy it. I don't think so. That's not how medicine works. We don't even let someone out sometimes after just cataract surgery. I'm just saying per se, you know, after one day, cause we have to monitor this guy was on a breathing tube and he was b- spitting up blood. He had hemoptysis <laughs> and he's home now. Who's buying it? Just like I'm not buying Kathy Griffin's attempt to be relevant again. I'll see you all in a bit where we'll talk about this and we'll also talk about what's going on in Idlib, Syria. Nobody wants to talk about that. Huh? See you all in a bit. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, always here live 12 to 2, Monday through Friday. So before we start talking about line item vetoes, before we get into it, I want to tell you what's been going on while we're concerned about fish tank clean, cleaning, drinking idiots, while we're concerned with this infodemic and this amplification of it, War is still brewing. We have the UN that called for a humanitarian ceasefire, yet Turkey has decided to commit further crimes against humanity on two fronts. And that is the most disheartening. And nobody in the mainstream media is telling you about it. No one is pointing it out. Because during this crisis where hygiene is necessary, clean water is necessary, 
Turkey has just turned off water supply. The Turkish military has turned off water supply to over 400,000 Syrians and tens of thousands of children during this crisis of coronavirus. And this is a coming out of Israel. This is news. No one wants to talk about it. This is a crime against humanity. Why is no one talking about turning water off to a whole population? Half a million people will have no access to water because Turkey said so. It's at the worst time if this pandemic, plandemic, infodemic is real. How could you do that? And here's the thing. It's a very targeted water turnoff. It's to northern Syria disallowing water to flow that has been for so long, which has Christian communities and Kurds. That and even there, they're on lockdown at home, which, uh, by the way, is helping Russia door knock. Kind of like, you know, how I said Jehovah Witnesses will be knocking because they know that you're home. The same thing is happening right now. You know, we have the actual Spetsnaz going out to the jihadis and knocking door to door now that they're there. And that's interesting, right? So in Syria, Russia has shown that, you know, taking advantage of this, uh, you know, stay, you know, stay in place kind of order that they have there, that they were able in actually zero time to just knock it out of the park. They have arrested and eliminated ISIS in Syria and they are working around the clock and there is a uh, video uh, that was actually videotaped by a Russian soldier of uh, special forces and they're called Spetsnaz um, for battle door to door of these jihadis and I'm going to see um, I'm going to see how I can put this on for you guys. Hold on. It is on YouTube as well. I'll have it tweeted out from uh, the uh, Red State handle. I'll have that out right now. Intense live battle. Russian special forces advising Syria army. I just tweeted it out. We'll be posting it um, on the Tory Says page on Facebook. You can find it at uh, facebook.com backslash Tory Says. Um, this indicates that they're taking advantage of the situation and making the best of it. Hey, if we're all on lockdown, let's go door knocking. We know where they are. So now is the time. And this is what's happening. You see, this coronavirus, right, that they wanted to use to topple economies, to take control and implement socialist ideologies, to enslave populations globally, are also very advantageous. Because now we have cartels that are sitting ducks in their homes because you can't be out. We have celebrities that are freaking out. wonder how many of them have a stash of masks sitting in warehouses, right? We have the most corrupt of them all on lockdown. We have jihadis. Remember ISIS said, don't go fighting, man. In Europe, it's suspended. They're really bad there. So jihadis were supposed to, you know, self-explode and give their life up for Allah, right? And for in the name of Allah, right? Are not even doing it anymore. 
And here we have the Russians saying, well, this is a good benefit. Now they're all closed up and we can see them. Let's go knock, knock, knock. And that's what they've done. Door knocking and taking them out. In the meantime, we have Erdogan, who is not doing very well. He is not doing very well. Uh, the United States and the Syrian forces have taken out ISIS about a year ago in eastern Syria, right? But now there's millions of people that live in that area right now that don't have access to basic needs like clean water because Turkey said so. Now, um, according to Jihadi, and I'm and this is from their uh, Twitters, Twitter posts, from their Telegram posts. Uh, they say that Turkey is starting to um, work with them and starting to attack those with no weapons. They actually, Turkey actually executed a woman, a political prisoner, um, and that execution actually caused Turkey to be able to find 200,000 people um, holed up in some specific area in eastern uh, Syria. This is really, really big. When you have the jihadis, right, that are working with the Turks saying, well, you know, this just isn't right that, that they're doing that, makes you kind of think, oh, well, maybe that talk with uh, al-Qaeda and getting that sorted is kind of helping in a way. So on March 21st, Right. The people of the area of Aluk had their water cut off. And that's about half a million people. Now, even though um, the U.N. and other organizations have actually documented it, they haven't done diddly squat. People in neighboring Hasaka, right, and other little villages that are around there that are Kurdish controlled, you know, of SDF and stuff like that. Um, they don't even have water either. And water is literally being transported with trucks from one area to another so that they can have access to water. This is going to help perpetuate and, 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 and get whatever this virus is spread like wildfire. And Turkey does not care. Because Turkey has control of, you know, the water sources um, near Tel Abayad. And so everyone is completely terrified. This is what an Ottoman Empire looks like. In the meantime, Erdogan comes out yesterday and says that even though we have a coronavirus in Greece and Turkey, the neighbors, Greece, are, you know, pushing fake news about the situation in northern Greece. And this is a political push. And guess, get this, the internal minister of Turkey, Suleiman Soylu, uh, said that, oh, it's all, you know, not right. And what did Erdogan, what did Erdogan's internal minister said? Well, we're going to just drop bombs on Greece with bullets and, you know, gas, gas, and we'll see who wins this. This was said yesterday. So while we're all distracted with, you know, fish tank cleaners and how we don't have enough ventilators, even though hospitals aren't being over poured and we have fake news running amok like the New York Times. I mean, come on. It's like it, the, the stuff we're hearing is is just ridiculous. 
it's ridiculous. We're not looking at the real news. We're being distracted, distracted from what's going on in, uh, you know, Central America and South America. We're all distracted. We're distracted by listening to news like this. Take a listen. Oops. You can't take a listen, can you? Here we go. News alert. We have just learned this. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has tested positive for the coronavirus. Trey Yinks joins us live from our Jerusalem bureau with more. Trey, the prime minister just spoke about it, right? Ainsley, Brian, Steve, good morning. That's right. We are just learning now that UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has tested positive for coronavirus. This announced earlier today by Downing Street and the prime minister himself releasing a statement saying this, quote, I am now self-isolating, but I will continue to lead the government's response via video conference as we fight this virus. Johnson's uh, condition is apparently well. He is only displaying mild symptoms, according to Downing Street. All of this just hours after Boris Johnson participated in a G20 summit call with world leaders, including President Trump. That call yesterday, Johnson pledging 210 million pounds to develop a vaccine for coronavirus. All of this coming as Johnson has now committed to fighting this inside the UK. We do know that there's currently more than 11,000 cases in the United Kingdom with more than 600 dead. I do want you to take a listen to what Johnson had to say earlier today regarding this positive diagnosis. I've developed mild symptoms of the coronavirus, that's to say a temperature and a, a persistent cough. And on the advice of the chief medical officer, I've taken a test that has come out positive. So I am working from home, I'm self-isolating, and that's entirely the right thing to do. Prime Minister Johnson does join Prince Charles, who tested positive when it comes to the list of notable Brits who are now fighting this battle personally. When you look at the broader perspective for the United Kingdom, right now in London, they are converting a, a large expo center to a makeshift field hospital. We do understand that more than 500 hospital beds are going to be put into this center in an effort to try to slow the spread of coronavirus in the United Kingdom. We can expect some criticism for Johnson today, who early on had some policy differences uh, with some of his top advisors about how exactly uh, the United Kingdom should approach the battle of this virus. But again, what we can confirm today is that uh, the United Kingdom Prime Minister Boris Johnson has tested positive for coronavirus. He will continue to lead the efforts in the UK to fight uh, this COVID-19 disease as it does continue to spread and countries around the world looking to work together to clamp down and find a vaccine. So they're all working together, they say, right? How are they working together? Because no one's really sharing numbers. No one's really telling everyone what's going on. This is ridiculous. We don't have data. How are you going to go off data that you don't have? How are you going to discuss and analyze data that you do not have and that you cannot trust? It's incredible. Think about it. How do you respond to it. You can't crunch numbers if they're not giving you the numbers. You can't crunch data and find a solution if you can't find the data to crunch. (laughs) Like, how do you work? How do you battle this? You can't. Simple as that. You just can't. And Kamala Harris, 
listen to her about the $2 trillion coronavirus package. I want you to listen to this seriously. Back, you're watching MSNBC. I'm Stephanie Rule. Joining me now, Democratic Senator from California and former presidential candidate Kamala Harris. Senator, thank you so much for joining me. I know how busy things are. And being a sitting senator, what an extraordinary week this has been. Help us understand this $2 trillion package. The vote was 96 to 0. The American people don't get to see bipartisanship that often. And this one's a biggie. It was, and I think it spoke to the moment, which is that this is a a moment of crisis and it required urgent action. I think every member of the Senate, certainly those that I work with on a daily basis, will tell you this was not what we wanted. It is not enough, but it is meeting the moment in the best way that we could with a sense of urgency. Um, Our priorities, of course, and I can't praise Senator Schumer enough for the work that he did on it. Our priorities have been about workers. Our priorities have been about hospitals. Our priorities have been about small businesses. And thankfully, there is some relief for each in this bill. But it is definitely not enough. Many of us were fighting, for example, and I've been fighting for what we need to do around paid sick leave. Um, That's not in the bill. Extending the benefits in terms of SNAP benefits for families that need to feed their children, that's not in the bill. Um, There's work we need to do recognizing that people who've been laid off and fired um, are going to lose their health coverage and what we need to do for the uninsured. So there's still a lot of work to do. So if there's a lot of work to do, just getting through this two trillion is a lot. When are you going back to the drawing board for phase two? Well, I'm here in D.C., and I think many of us are committed to continuing the work. We have certainly over the course of this last week been talking about what was passed this morning or late last night um, in the context of what we need to do next. And so the work will continue and there's certainly a lot of work to be done. You know, you know, you've been reporting 3.3 million Americans just this week have applied for uninsurance benefits or uh, employment on insurance, um, w- unemployment insurance. We have in California, the governor announced 1 million Californians just over the course of the last week and a half that have applied for, for unemployment insurance. So the crisis continues. I think all medical and public health professionals have told us we have not yet peaked. The crisis continues. People are continuing to be laid off. Small businesses are going out of business. The crisis continues. And I think the leaders in Washington, D.C. know or should know that um, it is this moment that that requires us to lead and, and be present to do that. Well, let's talk about your home state of California, because there are reports that nurses are taking drastic measures protecting themselves because of the shortage of personal protective equipment. Help me understand this, because state lawmakers have said we need the federal government to assist. But then there's other private businesses who are saying we're trying to offer things. There's a backlog. You know, lawmakers aren't getting back to us. Where's the jam? Well, there are a number of issues here, right? There's the issue of what the president, if you want to start at the top, what the president could do to unlock his powers to require production and domestic production of the medical equipment that is needed to help public health professionals do their job and to also help these public health professionals um, not be sick. 
and save their lives. And so masks at the top of the list, ventilators, of course. So there is that at the top of the list. There's the work that we did through this bill that will allow and bring $150 billion to states um, and to hospitals in particular to help them do the work of, of paying for and bringing in the supplies that they need. But then the production piece is a very big part of that. If the supply is not there, no matter how much resources you have to buy it, if there's nothing to buy, then it's not going to fill the need. Nothing to buy or hoarded, or the fact that it's all coming from China and, you know, we shouldn't be reliant on China. Which one is it? Now, this is where it gets good. Here's where we listened to the president talk about it yesterday. Huh. I think, um, you know, I'm just going to let it slide. You guys probably read my mind, huh? Let's take a listen. Tell me, how did you, in the first known case of corona was January 21st. Ten right. days later, you instituted a travel ban. Joe Biden called you xenophobic, hysterical, and a fearmonger. Walk, <laughs> walk us through that decision, because you said to me nobody supported it. Well, you know, we had 20 people in the office, 21 to be exact, and we had a lot of experts, and they never really thought to do that. And, you know, I passed a travel ban having to do with our country. If we have certain unsafe countries, countries that we think are unsafe, if you remember, I passed it. I, we won in the Supreme Court. We lost in the lower courts, and we won in the Supreme Court. So we have a travel ban throughout the world if we want, if we have unsafe countries, terrorism, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, well, wait a minute, these people, if they're badly infected, and they are very badly, because I was starting to see stories, and you were, and everybody was, I said, how many come in? Well, we had massive amounts coming into the country, if you look at it, thousands and thousands a day. And I said, look, we shouldn't be doing this. Uh, I made a decision, we can't have it. And people thought it was very tough. Uh, some of my own people, and I, I'll be honest with you, China, didn't think it was too good either, and I think we're just absolutely fine with them. A lot of the people decided to go to Italy instead. They went to Spain instead, and you see the problems they're having. Even as smaller countries, by comparison, you see the problems they're having. But I made that decision, which I'm very proud of in retrospect. And you're right. I had Biden calling me xenophobic, and yet he can't define the word. If you asked him what does it mean, I'm sure he couldn't tell you what it means. And I had uh, him, he called me a racist because of the fact that he felt it was a racist thing to stop people from China coming in. But that was from the section of China, too, that was in such trouble. So we made a good decision. And if we didn't, we'd have thousands and thousands of more people in very serious trouble right now. Mr. President, I, I've been making the case. This is everything that's going on now. We're rewriting the book how to deal with pandemics. You started with the travel ban and the quarantine, then it, uh, the public-private partnership, which we should talk about all the great companies we have in this country. Drive-through testing. Now we'll have a 15-minute test soon in the doctor's office. We'll have home testing, we're told, according to your task force soon. Telemedicine, I would argue, is probably one of the easier yeah. solutions for health care. Off-label use, uh, getting rid of draconian FDA rules, right to try. Uh, vaccine. We're in stage one trials. It used to take years to break down the sequence. Tell us about what's changing and why it has to all change. Well, I think the FDA has been incredible. We have uh, a man, Stephen Hahn, who's uh, a doctor, a great doctor, highly respected from Texas, uh, in charge of one of the great hospitals of our world. And uh, he came in as the FDA director. And we had a good man there before also, as you know, Scott, you know, Scott very well. And uh, we, uh, we've we done things that are pretty amazing. Uh, 
if we're using certain medications that are used in other aspects of life or, you know, for other reasons, uh, normally it would take a long time to get it approved for this, for, you know, for the, the virus, as we call it. So it would take a long time. And I was able to get such fast turnaround. It was incredible, like literally fast, because it was proven safe and it was it's strong stuff. Uh, malaria was the disease that one particular it was it's been out for a long time very very effective on malaria it may be effective you know what we're talking about because you've covered it it may very well be effective uh with what we're doing and we're going to find out soon but uh the head of the fda and and others they gave me really rapid approvals like how about 24-hour approvals and we just started having it. it. People in New York and others are taking it now. And I think we're going to know fairly soon whether or not it works. And I think it's got a shot. It's got a good shot. You know, I, I got to give say something nice. I know when you did the Foxtown Hall, uh, I know that Dr. Oz was on the program. I've gotten right. to know him. Dr. Oz is like me. He never goes to sleep. He has talked to more people, more doctors, more patients that have tried hydrochloroquine and Zithromax. And I don't think you've actually really explained there is a real trial going on in the state of New York right now. Am I wrong on that? Well, we had 10,000 units supplied and approved. And, uh, you know, it's a lot. Let me stop you right there. Remember, 10 years ago, (laughs) I actually was friends with the guy that started that trial 10 years ago where they were looking to see how it battles HIV. I told you that story. Now, um, just a little, you know, outside of context I wanted to put because I am getting a lot of messages and yeah, I'm not on Twitter yet. They're going to have to unlock me at some point because I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, they're telling me that I, uh, had automated something, something. So I'm going to be patient and, you know, obviously you can find me on red state talk radios handle, uh, all the time and on the radio and on my Tory says page on Facebook. So I have gotten tons of messages And yes, you know, the best form of flattery is mimicking. Um, I have to say that because I've told you what coronavirus is and coronavirus, I've put it in little emojis, was a crown and a virus. You have to be paying attention to who who are the real victims of this. You have to see uh, what was it? See, I keep forgetting the name and it's like my brain blocks it out. Baldwin, (laughs) Baldwin. Remember how I used to tweet out, you know, that Justin Bieber has a handler. All you have to look at Baldwin. He's got that AIDS mark on his forehead. Not because it's AIDS. (laughs) It's not. It's coronavirus. And why is coronavirus so important? I've told you it has very high specificity. So the thing is, if you can't trust your supply anymore, you're going through withdrawal. That's all I have to say in that hiatus. So now moving along, moving along, we have trials that have been going on for 10 years looking at viruses that are smart viruses, designer viruses like HIV. Uh, being treated with, I've already explained to you guys how the, the anti-malaria drugs work and why we need broad spectrum. And so we have zinc sulfate. We have, that's something that South Korea has been using. Like I, I am literally 
my fingers are in every single pie talking to uh, the scientific community. Because regardless if I don't have no- notoriety, um, I obviously am a little bit ahead on puzzles. And puzzles are a lot of fun for me uh, because I do math and crazy algorithms that, you know, put Alice to shame sometimes. So the patterns that we're seeing is the high specificity, but we're also seeing the mutation shifts, which means that there's multiple deployed. I mean, repeat this, the multiple deployed versions deployed. And again, this infodemic has caused panic and people are panicking more because of the widespread sound that is coming out um, from the public, which is despair, but also the fact that they can't trust who they're speaking with. And that is the most important thing. Trust. Because if you do not, if you do not have trust, you cannot move forward. We heard Fauci talk about, let me blow through these. Hold on a second. Let me just blow through these. So we heard Fauci talk about vaccines, right? And we've talked about vaccines and how he says that creating a vaccine actually gives you a low dose of whatever it is, but it can amplify. And now we're finding that elderly people, which the majority of have a pneumonia vaccine, are most vulnerable. So most vulnerable because you have a pneumonia vaccine. Um, And that is interesting, isn't it? Because it is an actual factual fact. And I'm going to play that clip right quickly so you can listen to him say it with his own mouth. And I'm going to play it through my phone. Let me put it on there. Hold on. Here, take a listen. The issue of safety is something that I want to make sure the American public understand. It's not only safety when you inject somebody and they get maybe an idiosyncratic reaction, they get a little allergic reaction, they get pain. There's safety associated. Does the vaccine make you worse? And there are diseases in which you vaccinate someone, they get infected with what you're trying to protect them with, and you actually enhance the infection. You can get a good feel for that in animal models. So that's going to be interspersed at the same time that we're testing, we're going to try and make sure we don't have enhancement. It's the worst possible thing you could do. Enhancement. Is it enhancement or is it purposeful infection? Because, see, I was speaking with friends and, and family in Europe, and specifically in England, their promotion was to infect everyone with coronavirus and then give them the vaccine, which was something insane. And the people in the United Kingdom have risen up and said, uh, no, that's not happening. So these are things that you need to keep in the back of your mind as uh, everything starts to progress. Okay, as everything starts to progress in regards to news and to regards to reporting, you have to remember that clip from CNN where Dr. Fauci sat there and applauded. Oh, wait, no, accepted and then reinforced the notion that anti-malaria drugs cannot work. And you have to think, why would the governor of Michigan say that she will go after the licenses of doctors and clinics who will issue that medication? It's because she wants her clinics to be overrun. She needs the money. (laughs) Again, how many hospitals, how many clinics are going to lie and say it's COVID-19 in order to get money? Because everybody has a price. And that is so unfortunate. Every single person has a price. Everyone. I mean, I don't anymore. I used to actually. I think I did. Because, and my price was stability, 
My price was, uh, you know, uh, thinking about, uh, you know, what's to come. And I've only recently, I'm, you know, I, I think it was in 20, 2013 where when I was officially diagnosed with what I have, right, in 2013 was the official, um, I kind of said, you know what? I don't need to be worried about that. That'll just come. And the more I did that, the more everything fought me. The more I said, you know what? Forget this. The more it fought me. And what's that? It's the real battle that's going on between good and evil. We have to understand that. You know, a lot of people are throwing around memes. This is the reset button, kind of like Noah's flood. Man-made, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Take a listen to what else the president has to say here. This is pretty interesting. And people have been taking it now for a day and a half. And we haven't heard bad news. We haven't heard too much news, period. But it's a little early. But we're going to probably know. And again, you know, maybe it won't work. But we're going to give it a good shot. And why would we wait? Normally, this process would take two years to get it approved, even though it's out there in terms of malaria. You know, it's out for a different reason. But we have reason to believe, you know, you've seen the same tests. I've seen tests and, you know, in France and other places, Italy. So we have to see whether or not it works. Uh, if you were a betting man, I guess you'd have to bet against it. But a lot of people are saying this could be a big answer. In addition to that, Gilead and others are making some incredible things that uh, we're going to find it. It's going to be a question of, of how fast, when. But uh, we've there are some incredible things that are going on right now. Now, the vaccine is going really well. But for the vaccine, you need about a year, at least a year of testing, because, you know, you can't put things into somebody's body by the thousands and then if it's dangerous. So for that one, we're going to need uh, testing, a longer period of testing. But they're making tremendous progress, incredible progress. Yeah. And Dr. Oz has been putting on doctors that have been prescribing off-use hydrochloroquine and Zithromax and patients that used it, miraculous turnarounds, incredible, I'll say anecdotal, and I understand Dr. Fauci would would love a two-year study, so would I, so would everybody, but uh, if we can save lives now and the right to try for me is a freedom we should have, and I know you you made that law, what what are your doctor, your experts, the Surgeon General, Dr. Fauci, and everybody else telling you about convalescent plasma People have the disease, they get over the disease, they have antibodies to the disease, they extract the plasma, and then they infuse it into a very sick patient. What what are you hearing about it? Well, there's really positive things. I think you're seeing what I'm seeing, some incredibly positive things. And it's, uh, you know, affecting the, the immune system and lots of other elements are at work. And, you know, these are all game changers, by the way, Sean. This is, you know, this... This really solves a problem. I mean, getting a vaccine is important, but if we could do something, like as an example, if we had something therapeutically where uh, one of these numerous items that we're testing right now, I mean, literally testing it right now, if any of this worked, this is a game changer. And, you know, there's no risk when it's already out there in a different form for a different purpose. So we're going to see how it all comes out, and we're very, just started, so... Uh, you will probably know before me, okay, because you know all of these things and you you really were up on it. But you've also seen some of the other things. Aside from that, you've seen some some incredible uh, uh, potential from other medicines. And we hope we hope we're going to be able to find it. 
and uh, let me just mention other medicines, which is ozone therapy, which is another one that we can use, which boosts actually our own system to fix. Um, and that we ourselves are the cure to all this. And this is a great way for humanity to bounce back and take power back. Now, speaking of taking power back, we saw that the House has just passed the bill. They passed the bill just now. So I want to um, talk about a line item veto. So line item veto means that it's a partial veto. It's a type of veto power that gives the... Um, the head of anyone to reject any provisions in a bill um, without vetoing the whole bill, right? And um, every nation has, you know, um, laws for and against it, and um, it's 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 a it's an executive power that can be used. And we see that um, there are uh, only uh, forty four out of the fifty states. Uh, that give governors uh, the right to um, line veto things. Um, and believe it or not, the mayor of Washington, D.C. also has that. Now, the presidents of the United States of America have actually asked in the past to be provided the power of a line item veto. And uh, Ronald Reagan had told Congress back in his State of the Union address that he asks to give him what 43 governors already have. And that's the line item veto. At that time, it was 43. Now it's 44. And he says, if you know, if I have the ability to have veto, I'd like to take responsibility and being able to veto some of it. Now, Bill Clinton asked for the same thing in his State of the Union address in 1995. Now, Congress actually um, attempted to grant that uh, right to the president uh, with the Veto Act of 1996, um, and that's to control what they called pork barrel spending. Um, but in 98, uh, the Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional, um, in a decision of a case, Clinton versus New York. And it found that exercising line item vetoes, um, to an amendment or to repeal the executive parts of it, of authorized federal spending violated the presentment clause. Now, that's a really big deal. Okay, because Bill Clinton tried to line item veto things. So the day after the line item veto was passed, senators challenged the bill in court. You have to understand that they did. And the Supreme Court ruled that the senators didn't have the standing to sue. And so it was chucked out. And uh, actually, Clinton, right, Bill Clinton was allowed to veto 82 times line item veto. 82 times. Now, that's when the law was actually challenged um, with lawsuits being filed. And, you know, uh, Judge Thomas Hogan, who was appointed by Reagan, said that the law was unconstitutional in 1998. And his ruling was actually reaffirmed by the Supreme Court. Can you see SCOTUS Gate coming into the picture? Because I want to see how we're going to do this. How did Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton is a rapist, have the right to line item veto 82 things, but his specific action on how he did it was how they removed it. So uh, this is a really, really big deal because there was a line item veto and recessions act of 2011, allowing the president to recommend specific line items to be cut from legislation. But here's the ca caveat here. Congress has to agree that those can be removed. And if Congress doesn't uh, enact the proposed 
you know, line item vetoes in 45 days, the president either must make the funds available um, or veto the whole thing in totality. So this is going to be very interesting to see if the president tests them, uh, you know, because our presidents really can't line veto items. You know, a line item, what you're going to, is, is just so you guys understand. So say I am, um, um, how do I say, okay, let's say like, this is a real, <laughs> real example. So I go to the gas station and I fill up and then I go to the cash register and my gas tank, um, you know, my gas cost me 30 bucks. Right. And I'm like, all right, give me four packs of cigarettes. So I have for the week. And he's like, oh, it's like, I don't know, $55. And I'm like, shoot, I only have 45. Can you take off two packets, please? And that's basically it. From my bill, I took off two items to make it work. Make sense? That's kind of how the line veto, you know, bill goes. President Trump can get this bill and say, all right, take Planned Parenthood off, take this oversight committee off which is not spending, by the way. The oversight committee is not spending. It's just something. He can actually line veto that because that's not about spending. So the key thing here is to be paying attention to the law. So hopefully the president will say, well, you know, I'm not allowed to line veto federal spending, but I can line veto stuff that makes absolutely no sense and has nothing to do with the people. So, or I don't want it and crosses it off. It's a partial veto. And so the, the good part is, is the, the, the line, uh, the line item veto was to stop excessive spending, but people are saying that, oh, if you allow, you know, the president to have such powers, then the legislative branch is pretty much useless because he could just strike things off. So this is why, you know, they did this whole thing in 2011 that Obama could say, nope, nope, nope. And the Congress has to decide, okay, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. Now, don't forget that in 96, look who championed through Congress the Line Veto Act of 96. It was John McCain and Bob Dole <laughs> with tons of Democrats behind it. I wonder why. So, uh, you know, if we allowed, you know, Bill Clinton to line veto, we should have the ability to line veto too. And so why is it considered unconstitutional? They say there's no separation of power. Well, tell me again where we have seen any separation of power. It seems like Congress right now has all the power. They decide if we live or die. They decide what the news say and how dare you step out of line and say something else. You know, yesterday, if anyone was paying attention to Comey's tweet, he was telling you exactly what they fear. And the fear is, is that we're on to them and they're done. And now with Invoke P that came out, I'm just going to tell you, has to do with Microsoft and I'm just going to leave it at that. And yeah, we could say it's invoking production because he called out the GM, you know, CEO, blah, 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 blah. And then tweeted out about Ford Motors. Great cover. I got you. We already invoked P. Backslash P. This is how you... Let's just leave it there. I'm not going to elaborate on that one. We'll leave it there. That's already been done. Digital soldiers out there are already on it, been on it, and yep, we're we're there. That's that's how it goes. And a lot of people are going to be like, well, I don't know. Yeah, well, you'll see. Disbelievers, you know, in understanding that there is indeed a massive plan in place. And this could be how we cure almost everything from our 
government structure to our health and what we have. So this, you know, the fact that they passed this bill is um, pretty incredible. The fact that they've um, ceased, what is it, airing the coronavirus task force, um, you know, statements is incredible. Uh, they've just decided that they're not going to allow, um, you know, people to have a voice. They've pretty much said it. They don't want you to listen to the facts. They want you to listen to them. And Fauci, who gets on CNN and confirms that the guy who died drinking fish tank cleaner actually died from the anti-malaria drug. This is ridiculous. Now, you don't think that's ridiculous enough? The fact that they've held us hostage like this, you guys, for how long? It's, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Because we are completely being censored. We are being censored left and right. We are being censored from all of them because they say so. We are being told we are not allowed to see the truth. We are not allowed to see the facts because it, we're supposed to panic. We're supposed to understand it. <laughs> we're supposed to understand that they know what's best for us. That's how they operate. This is how they've always operated. We've relinquished control to a bunch of satanic, evil people. Take a listen to what, um, uh, how they announced, well, blood, the blood on Massey's hands if the House vote is delayed. Take a listen. Uh, easily in the House. There could be one vote, one vote, one grandstander maybe. You might have one grandstander. And for that, we'll have to come back and take a little more time, and it'll pass. It'll just take a little longer. But let's see whether or not we have a grandstander. President Trump weighing in ahead of today's big House vote on the Senate's $2 trillion coronavirus relief package. Republican Congressman Thomas Massey, who's opposed to the bill, has threatened to force an in-person vote, prompting anger on both sides of the aisle. Let's bring in New York Congressman Max Rose. He's a Democrat. Congressman, thanks for coming in. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I hope you and your family are staying safe. We are, and I hope the same of you and all of your colleagues you. on both sides of the aisle. Can you give me a read on where we are? We understand Thomas Massey, this Republican, who may hold things up a bit longer, although sure. we still expect final passage at some point, um, is on the House floor weighing his options. He's a libertarian who is not happy about some of the spending items in here. Yeah. So let me take a moment and talk about Thomas Massey, because I don't take his actions or his threats so lightly. Every single day, uh, constituents of mine, residents of my district, Staten Island and South Brooklyn, are dying. We see New York City, New York State, the epicenter of this crisis, and that crisis will move on to other places in America. We have never seen a threat like this. So, Thomas Massey, this is disgusting. This is inhumane. You aren't a libertarian. You're un-American. If we Actually, I love Thomas Massey for doing it. That's it. We need people that go against the grain and say, stop. Isn't this about the people? What's the point of getting a check in four weeks? Within four weeks, wh what can we do? You got rent next, next week, don't you? You have a car payment that you haven't paid, cell phone bill, disconnected, right? Internet, disconnected. Credit card, you know, debt collectors calling you. Hey, you missed your payment. Yeah, but I haven't been paid. Sorry, man.
we're just going to ruin your credit because we have to wait for this bill in four weeks to get a check. The checks should be in the mail. You know what? We all need to like, uh, you know, start having, oh my gosh, could you imagine how amazing that would be if he actually sent the checks and then you start getting, you know, Facebook and Twitter posts of people posting their checks. I got a check from U.S. Treasury. Oh my gosh. That would be the biggest Oh my gosh, that would be the biggest. Oh my gosh. I really wish he did that. Could you guys imagine? I know all of you are like, yes, totally. That would that would be like, you don't want me to campaign anymore? That's okay. I'm just going to use my executive powers and do things. Maybe I'll exercise this line veto a little bit to delay. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. So that <laughs> that's how that's how things like this can happen and flip things on their head and take power away from those that shouldn't have power. Take a listen to the last couple of minutes of this house passing the $2 trillion corruption coronavirus relief bill. Gentleman from Maryland is recognized. Mr. Speaker, as has been said so many times on this floor, America has faced many threats, some in the nature of attack by enemies, some in the nature of natural disasters, whether they be hurricanes or tornadoes uh, or floods. And Americans have responded and overcome those threats. We now have a threat, as some have mentioned, that is unseen, uh, but has a great effect and is having a great effect today as we debate this bill in America. And today we will vote not as Democrats or Republicans, but we will vote as Americans who have been sent here to represent our country and our people to promote the general welfare. Certainly the general welfare has been put at risk by this virus. We have in a very short time passed three major pieces of legislation, two that generated in this House, one generated in the Senate. And we will pass this bill today. I want to thank the Majority Leader. Excuse me, the Minority Leader. I'm the Majority Leader, right? You can't have it. <laughs> and while we, while we enjoy a little levity, we understand the gravity of this situation. People will die today as a result of this virus. And we have come together as Democrats and Republicans from every region of this country to respond in a way sufficient for the challenge. And we know we'll need to do more. But this day... Let us hope that, like the United States Senate, we come together, each and every one of us, not for partisan advantage, but for the advantage and defense of our people. America has been blessed by God and by our people. Let us respond this hour to their need in their defense so that America will go forward stronger and better and more ready to face future challenges. Mr. Speaker, I yield back the balance of my time. The gentleman yields back the balance of his time. All time for debate has expired. Pursuant to House Resolution 911, the previous question is ordered on the motion. 
The question is on adoption of the motion. Those in favor say aye. aye. Those opposed say no. no. The ayes have Mr. it. Mr. Speaker. For what purposes, gentlemen, uh, seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, I came here to make sure our republic doesn't die by unanimous consent in an empty chamber, and I request a recorded vote. Yes. Yes. I love him. Listen, that's Thomas Matt. I love him. I don't care what anybody has to say. This guy stood up against the grain and said, stop. We're recording it. We're not doing this mass chamber. And you're going to listen to me because I said no. A recorded vote is requested. Those favoring a recorded vote will rise and remain standing until counted. An insufficient number having risen, a recorded vote is refused. Mr. Speaker. Is the gentleman recognized? Before he speaks. So they refuse to get up and put their names on the book and record their vote. Are you listening? I object on the basis that a quorum is not present and make a point of order that a quorum is not present. The chair will count for a quorum. Counted for a quorum. A quorum is present. The motion is adopted. Without objection. He made sure to point out that it's not correct. Document it. Put it in the record and then adopt it. This is how disgusting they are. Their names should be all over it. A against this. Disgusting. Good job, Thomas Massey. We like the grandstander. We applaud him. In God, we should be trusting always. A motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Pursuant to Section 7B of House Resolution 891, the House stands adjourned until 3 p.m. on Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. Um, so they passed it. They passed the bill, and that is it. One person stood up for the people of the United States. One person that wanted documented records so people can remember this for years to come. One person regardless if you agree or not. Now, I wanted to point out that, you know, right now we're in the middle of a battle of severe crimes against humanity. Severe crimes against humanity. We are seeing the actual information warfare that is being used against us and just how dangerous biological warfare is because, boy, yes, it is. We've been doing it for a while. The CARES Act. This is phase three of the coronavirus legislation that the Senate passed on Wednesday. Think. Unemployment insurance increased, beefed it up, right? Small business tax help, increased Medicare, Medicaid funding, flexibility, right? So those of us that are in compromised position, I'm one of them too, and I know many of you that are listening are too, um, are getting some relief, but what was the trade-off? See, there's always a trade-off. And the trade-off was creating the secondary council. So I'm really hoping that there could be line item strikes. I'm really hoping that there is a backup plan to this in the sense of this oversight committee. When will it be implemented? How will it be implemented? Can we not implement it? Because once this is passed and they start to muster this oversight committee, you're going to see that COVID-19 is completely under control. Well, that's until they can actually get that done. I mean, 
We're going to be following every single penny through NPR. We're going to be following every single penny through other companies that have been funded. Because if you know that your batches are tainted and you don't want to touch them, maybe you'll find alternative ways to get them. Because it seems like everyone's looking really rough lately. Uh, You know, have you seen Pelosi? I mean, nothing can fix that. No lens. No lens can fix that. Oh, look at your celebrities. They're freaking out. Why are they losing? Are they losing money? No. Why don't they have tons of stuff to do? I mean, Ellen was telling you how sad she is in a gym that's bigger than my apartment. Think. See Sharon Stone? Oh my God. <laughs> she like degraded within a week. She looks like a crypt keeper now. We need to have our eye on the ball and to be paying attention to what the real news is. And the real news is, is that this coronavirus is to enslave you more, but it's also a time for awakening to realize what's important. Your family's important. Your faith is important. The people around you are important. The fact that you are dependent on other nations and your government is important. Hey, young lady right there. How does that soy boy look now who can't put up a shelf? You really want a man who can hunt? I mean, joking around, my daughter said, hey, you know, we got some, some, you know, bullets and stuff because we're thinking if, if things get bad, we can always shoot squirrels. <laughs> That's my girl. Because how many of you actually have life skills? I mean, I do. I, I know that I'm in a more urban area right now, but I, I would survive. I, I've skinned animals. I've hunted them. I've fished. I've, I've, I've. So this is teaching us what we really need to be focusing on, and that's family and independence and to not find ourselves in this position again. But sometimes in order to have innovation and cure things faster, we must allow for devastation to be afoot. It's all about pressure. That's how nature evolves. I'll see you guys all on Monday. See you on Subscribestar. God bless.